Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together real quick. Father, we just thank you, God, for your, your word. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for your power. We thank you, God, for all that you are in and through us, Lord. We thank you for meeting us today, Lord. We ask you right now that you would just open our eyes. God, that there would be an awakening today to your, to your spirit, an awakening, Lord God, to your presence, an awakening, Lord God, to your word, a hunger and a desire and a passion to, for, for us to go deeper and farther after you, Lord God. Not, not just in this place, but in every church this morning in the Bronx that's gathered, that preaches your word. We ask God that you would, that you would continue to show up. That you would show yourself strong, Lord God. Right here, right now, Lord God. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. I just want to thank the worship team for breaking up the ground, man. You guys make it easy to preach here. You tear up the hard ground. You set fire to stuff that's cold. You stir up until, until the ground. Amen. And, and just, it's, I feel like we're ready to hear the word. Amen. I feel like we're ready. Amen. Like I'm excited. I, I'm excited to hear the word. And, and I know what I'm sharing. But, but um, <laughs> wow. Amen. We're in the middle of a new series that we started last week. And I, I shared with you last week a little bit of the history of this church and how it's been a faith walk from the very beginning. We've had to just step out in faith each time. And each time God has met us. And I, I haven't told you those stories to brag about the church or to brag about us. We, we didn't have a choice but to walk in, in faith. We, we, when you don't have any resources, all you have is the source. Amen. So it's not about us, it's about Him. But I pray that as you've heard these stories, if you missed last week, please pick it up, watch it online, it's free. Uh, I pray that your faith has been increased. Has anybody kind of been seeing things a little differently, I hope? I, I pray that you're believing for things a little differently. I pray that, that you're able to believe more. I mean, the, 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 the way that God has met us here is, is for us and is so that you would understand that only God could do that kind of stuff, you, you, you know? Amen? Only God could do the kind of, the way He showed up for us. Only God, only God could, could, could listen to you plan a hole in the, in, in the stage for something you don't have and then have somebody in another borough send you something that fits exactly where, you, 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 do you understand? If, if you have a problem with that miracle, look up online, bat, bat, baptism tanks, and you'll find out they come in every shape, in every size, in different widths, with stairs here, or stairs here, or stairs here. They come, so for someone to send us the exact same one that we made a hole for, do you understand? That only God can do that. And that's just one of the small ones that we, that we talked about, amen? And so last week we talked about checking our walk with God. 
How's your walk with God? And I mean your walk outside of a Sunday. Your walk outside of here. Here, it's easy, man. People get excited. Somebody throws up a hand. Hey, before you know it, you throw up your hand. And you know, it's easy to, to, to be here. It's easy when there's good music, when there's, when there's powerful lyrics, when there's great singers. It's easy. It's easy for a Christian walk here. But we've been asking last week and this week, how's your walk outside of here? Are you coming into alignment with God? And so I want to take it a, a step further today because we're, we're talking about God's standard. I, I believe the body of Christ needs to step away from this wishy-washy, feel-goody, best life now junk and walk according to the word. Amen? And now understand this, when, when we're walking out God's word the way he calls us to, yes, there's blessing and yes, there's acceptance and there's provision and there's joy and there's anointing. Can anybody testify? And there's peace and there's abundance and there's communication with God and there's communication. You know, the word says when we have fellowship with God, we, our relationships with each other are better. Some of you that have a lot of issues with relationships here, maybe check this relationship first. When you fix this one, the Word says you'll fix these. That was good. That was for free. That wasn't even in the notes. So there's peace, there's provision, there's anointing, there's joy, there's all that. But listen, there's also brokenness. And there's struggles. We want to tell you the full truth. Amen? There's struggle, and there's brokenness, and there's trials. See, God didn't send the Santa to bring us gifts and giggles. He sent a Savior to sanctify us. To deliver us, to heal us, to restore us, to comfort us, to build us up, to reconcile us to the Father. And all of that is a process. There's pain in the process. Amen? All the veterans said amen. So today, I want to talk to you, I want to take it a step further, if there's further to go. And I want to talk to you about being all in. All in. Say all in. I'm going to give you a reference, though. It may be a corny and overused, simple illustration. Just bear with me. How many of you like having eggs for breakfast? Like a good, how you like them? Fried? It doesn't matter. Um, how many of you like... Uh, with those eggs, you got to have some bacon. Amen? Can we give it up for bacon? All right. For you health food, turkey bacon? All right. Some of you went, nah, come on. But now, understand something. To meet your needs and to meet your likes, the chicken had to be committed. The chicken had to nourish himself. The chicken she had to eat. She had to take care of herself. And then she had to go through the process of pushing out eggs for you. And if she's sick, you know, she's probably not pushing out as many. If she's feeling good, she's an overachiever, she's pushing out a lot. You know, she had to make some commitments in her life. To get you your eggs for breakfast. But for your bacon... The pig was all in. You see the difference? Between being committed and being all in? 
Let me ask you this morning, where do you stand when it comes to the things of God? Are we willing to commit to what's comfortable? Or are we all in? All in. Whatever. God, whatever you want, I'm going to walk this way. God, whatever comes my way, I'm going to walk this way. Whatever, God, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do. I'm all in. I want to tell somebody today, God can be trusted. God, man, God is faithful. I told you those stories and, and examples and testimonies, and we need to hear that from each other. We need to share. When God does something good, tell three people. Amen? Instead, we call three people when, God, when, when, when bad things happen. We're quick to complain. We're quick to badmouth. We're quick to just dump on people. Instead, when God does something good, make sure you tell three people. Make sure there's three posts coming out of that blessing. Amen? Like you, use social media if you're going to tell us when you went to the bathroom and what you ate and all that. Then when God does something good, then three posts about it. Amen? Come on. Because I believe God is setting us up, man, in this season to, to walk this way, to increase our faith, to push some of you out of your comfort zones, to help some of you step out and feel the water, step out of the boat and trust God. Some of you have to realize the true calling. Some of you sitting on your callings. And you need to realize the calling that God has on your life and understand that it will come to pass and it can be realized if you trust God. Tell somebody, I'm all in. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When you walk this way, God will not give you everything you ask for. Oh, man. Some of you out. Like, all right, I'm out. Forget it. You had me right up until there. I believe in giving you the full truth. Amen? God will not give you everything you ask for. This is not about formulas. Throw out all those prosperity books that you bought. Throw them out. You wasted your five ways to get God to release the blessing. Three ways that, that forces God to move. For seven steps to getting your way. God will not be manipulated. God is into releasing, you know, I mean, for, for listen, what, here, this is rough. For some people here, God will make you rich. And for some people here, God will ask you to give up everything you own. Man, is that, that's hard to deal with, isn't it? I know everybody's great. I'll get on the rich line. Get me? Which is the rich side of the church? I want to be on the rich side. All the suffering people, put them on another side. I want to be on the rich side. And, and we all do. But for some here, God is saying, give up everything you have. I've met people that you know, they bought a, you know, they've, they've pin, you know, paid off a brand new car or do something, and God is saying, give it, to, give it to somebody. Give it to this person. And you know how you wrestle with God when he tells you to give stuff. I mean, you guys do that every time the offering, when Mark prays for the offering. He goes, and God is saying, give, trust me. And you're saying, I trust you. And God is saying, give me more than a $4 trust. Is that all you trust me for? And don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about money. No. Y'all could give, y'all could give. I already showed you God provides. Amen? That's why we don't make a big deal about offering and we don't talk 20 minutes about raising offering and the needs of the church. I tell you what we need and God will provide it. If you want to be down with being used for that, then, then that's all good. 
Because you take part in the blessing. Amen? But listen, I, I truly believe even in the Gospels, the way Jesus did miracles a different way each time. He healed blind people's eyes a different way each time. Some people he spat in, some people he prayed over, some people he sent. Why? So that he, we would not get a formula. Because if every time somebody was blind, he took mud and spit in the mud and then put it on their eyes, we'd be selling holy mud. And you'd be buying it. Send me $500, I'll pray over this mud and you put it over anybody's blind eyes and they will be healed. Send it to P.O. Box, blah, 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 whatever ministries. The miracles that we've experienced here as a church and in our lives, man, talk to somebody that's been around for a little while in the faith. The, the, the miracles that we've experienced are not about the things. Here's what we got to get. It's, yeah, it's awesome when you pray for something and God delivers it, but it's more than the things. God's provision is about His presence. You got to get this, because if you don't get this, you'll set yourself up to be disappointed in your whole Christian walk. Because sometimes God will say no, and you'll be mad. And when the things don't come the way you ask God to make them get here, you'll be upset. And you'll think, I didn't pray enough. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't read the Bible enough. I, didn't, I must have messed up the formula. God must be angry with me. The beauty about God's provision is not about the things, it's about His presence. It's about knowing that He's there. He's, he, the name, I love the names of God, Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord who's there. He's El Roi, the God who sees. He's El Shaddai, the God that's almighty. He's, he's uh, Jehovah Sidkenu. He's our righteousness. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. So he's present. He sees. He cares. He heals. He covers. He provides. He's there. He gives you peace even in the storm. Even when there's no, even when it's dry, even when there's no provision, there's peace. And if you ever experience, you're sitting at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a funeral for somebody that you love, that you, and, and you never thought you could go on, but there's a peace. That's the presence. God is saying, I am the I am. I'm everything you need. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. That's such an awesome name. I, I, love, I love that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And, and we get that name from the book of Genesis. And I think it's important that we kind of go there. I want you to see where that name came from in case, in case you didn't know. Now you'll know. Amen. So in Genesis, God is teaching Abraham how to do what we're talking about, how to walk this way, how to, how to trust God, how to step out in faith. And he's I told Abraham some crazy things. Abraham is like 900 years old. His wife is, is you know, 790. And, and, and he's saying, you guys are going to have a baby. I'm going to make you, those numbers are not real, by the way, you know, check it out. Um, I, I forget, you know, I say things and I don't want people to think, like, you were wrong. Like, is that all you heard in the message, really? So anyway, so they were old and they were really, really old. And God is saying, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And I'm going to, and you're going to, and she's laughing. I'm going to have a baby at this age. And he said, yes. And, and, and God is teaching Abraham how to walk this way. And so by Genesis 22, he, he's been teaching him for years and, and years and showing him how to trust and showing him. And he's shown him, he's shown Abraham that his promises are true. And so at this point, Abraham's all in. 
And Abraham's ready to trust them. And, and you know, so, sometimes, and, and at, at this point, he, he tells Abraham, uh, go and, and take that son that you love. This is the son of promise. This is the son that you've been waiting for. This is the son that I told you was going to come, that through him, you're going to be the father of many nations. This is the one son that you love, the one thing you've been waiting for. He tells, uh, him, he tells Abraham, go and take Isaac, the son that God has promised, that I've promised you, and offer him up to me on the mountain. And, and church, that's a strange request. We never hear God say that again. We never see this scenario again, but this one time it's recorded for us. He says, go and offer him up to me. And understand, when you read that in Genesis, you could say, man, God is so cruel. And I, I hear atheists use this story a lot. Like, oh yeah, you're going to serve a God that will tell you to go kill your kid and then say, oh, just kidding. And they, and they mock this story and they say, this is such a hard, horrible, awful story in the Word of God. He tells them, go, and, and, and God is such a horrible father. Why would God ask Abraham to give up his son when you can't see the full picture? It's, a hard, it's an awful story. God is asking Abraham to go to the hill and on that hill sacrifice his son as an offering to the point, and, and, and so at this point, Abraham is all in. Abraham trusts God. The word says that the next morning, the next morning, he, he's, he gathers the wood. He gathers the stuff that he needs. He puts everything on a, on a, on a donkey, and, and he grabs his son, and they head up to the mountain. And along the way, Isaac is kind of catching on. Isaac's not a little kid. He's, he's, he's older already. And Isaac says, Dad, I, I see the wood. And Dad, I see the, everything that you need for this sacrifice. I, I see the, the knife. I see the blade, God. But where's the sacrifice? If we're going to the hill to perform a sacrifice, Isaac is saying, he, he's, I don't know if you've ever been there, if you could imagine yourself being in this position. I mean, not obviously like this, but, but in the place where your kid is asking you, Dad, what are you doing? Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And Abraham's teaching his son, even through his, this own example, he's teaching his son, where the, he says, when you walk this way, he tells the son, God Himself will provide the sacrifice. God will provide the lamb for the offering. And so they get there and, and God says, that's the hill. Because He was leading him all the way. And God says, that's the hill and that's the place. And so Abraham sets it up. And Abraham's about to surrender all that he loves to God. And an angel stops him. And then when the angel stops him and he says, that's not what God wants you to do, he looks over to the side and there's an animal that's caught by his horns in a bush. And so Abraham takes the animal and he, he sacrifices it to the Lord. And he named that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Because on that hill, God provided a substitute for his son. And we can read that story and we can say, why would God do such a thing? Why would God give us that picture until we understand 
How many know God's understanding is bigger than ours? Right? God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, man. If you could figure God out, He wouldn't be God. And so, then, then we, we, we see that he gives us, that when Abraham says in verse 13 and 14, he says, God himself will provide the sacrifice, and on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then we see that that verse not only applies here, but it refers to a hill called Calvary, where God gave his own son as a sacrifice for us. Do you understand that maybe we could not have seen that picture unless we see the picture of Abraham offering up his son? Unless we see the gravity, the, the, the intense and the, the hardness and the hardship of, of asking a father to give up a son. Unless we see that picture, then when we see God do it, it means all the more. On that hill, he provided. And so in, in Genesis, in the Old Testament, Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb. And, and then in John, in the New Testament, when John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, see, the scriptures are so rich when you understand that those letters are written at different times by different people in different cultures and different scenarios. And you understand how they come together and how alive the word is and how they come together to fulfill God's plans and purposes. Then you could start to love the word. Amen? then you could start to trust the Word of God. And I, I want us to be a church that loves the Word of God. I want us to be a church that trusts and stands on the Word of God. I don't want this to be a concert place where you come for good music, where you come to be entertained. I want us to love the Word. So I want you to remember that very difficult passage from Genesis... And remember that sometimes we don't see the whole picture because sometimes because of our experiences and the society and the culture we've been raised in, it's hard for us to see certain things and some things that we read in the Word are difficult to hear or hard to accept. Amen? So I want you to keep that in mind as we get into this book of Romans and, and as we start, I know I keep talking, we're going to walk through the book of Romans and I haven't started yet and, and I'm probably not going to get real far today either but I'm, I really want to set this up. So remember things like this, keep this in mind as we go through the book of Romans because the, the trend or the tendency as Christians in our comfortable Christianity, we have a habit of softening the word to make it more palatable. And, and so we, we have a habit of, of making it kind of more, making it sound a little more reasonable, amen? Because we think we're going to scare people away if we, if we just preach what the Word says. And I, I hear this a lot. People, people, people say, well, people aren't going to go for that in today's times. Right? You can't just you know, tell people not to do that in today's times, in today's culture. They'll tell you, that's even legal. I... Let the wise understand. And so we, we say, you know, people don't want to don't hear that today. And, and so the crazy thing is that today people want to be so spiritual, but they don't want to be holy. 
They want access, but they don't want to be accountable. They want goosebumps and good luck charms. They'll put on crosses, but they won't bear one. And they say, you know, times have changed. We need to adapt God's Word. We need to adjust God's Word to today's times because that was different back then. Do you know that it was just as wicked in those days as, as the days that we're in today? God wiped the world once because the world was so wicked. You think like we're better than those guys? So, see, the problem with, with this, with this da David Platt says it this way. He says, we're giving in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus that we're comfortable with. And the problem with that is that when we're, then we're just left with a watered-down gospel that's too powerless to save, too fearful to deliver, and too weak to break any chains. I'm sorry if you came for a devotional this morning. <laughs> but Jesus calls out his followers like rough, hardcore. Amen? Christianity is not for babies. Do, do, do we get that? We've had the, the world has painted this picture that Christians are, are soft. That, that Christians are weak. That Christians, you know, we're, we're weak. We need a crutch. And so we need the Man, Christians got to be the roughest people we know. They got to be the strongest people in the world. Because listen to what, what Jesus calls out. to when, when, <coughs> when Jesus called out his disciples that were following him. Listen to what he says in Matthew 16, 24, in Luke 9, 23, and in Mark. So in three of the Gospels, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And then in Mark, he goes in a little further. He says all of that and then he adds in verse 38. He says, for whoever is ashamed of me here, I will be ashamed of him before the Father. Nobody amens because that's not good preaching. <laughs> that's not good preaching. But it's the word of God. People want good preaching. They don't want good word. Do, do you see the difference? If I say, with God, all things are possible, then, yeah, everybody preaches. With God, we can do everything. And if I just bumper sticker all the Christian t-shirts, I'll preach a message. You guys will be so excited. You'll bring your neighbors next week. You'll bring your cousins. You'll bring your brothers and your sisters. Oh, it's so much fun. That church is so much fun. It's so good. God loves you. God wants to bless you. God, God, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. God forgives you. He loves you. Yeah. And all those things are true, but it's not the full gospel. Jesus said, if a, if a, if a man will lose his life for me, then he'll find it. See, we've, like last week's quote, we've lowered the standards of God to meet the preferences of men. And so all of this has been my disclaimer. <laughs> As we get into the book of Romans, we're going to come up on a lot of things 
Let me let, let you know right now, if, even if you look up the commentaries and you, and, you, and you do a little study on Romans, nobody preaches through the book of Romans. We pull out little pieces of Romans because Romans is a very tough book. Not good preaching stuff. So as we, as we go through the book of Romans, we're going to come up on a lot of things that might ruffle some of your feathers. It might make you uncomfortable. Some of it might not even sound realistic for today's times. But understand, our stance as a church is that we believe the full word of God. And we believe it when Paul says in 1 Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's quiet. And so at TSF, we stand on the Word of God, and we understand that some of you might not. And we want you to know that you can still belong. Amen? This is not like for like an exclusive club. You can still belong. We still welcome you to be a part of us. We still welcome you to fellowship us. We grow. And, and our desire as a body of Christ is that as we continue to walk in the grace and the love of God, We'd all at one point decide to be all in. Amen? So next week I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Rome of that day and their culture and what was going on during that time. Uh, Paul is the author of, of Romans. That's pretty much undisputed. And uh, uh, so Paul is writing to them. But, but to close today, I'm just going to give you a look at the very first. I'm just going to do Romans 1.1. So you can leave and say, yeah, we studied the book of Romans today. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Now, remember in those times, uh, we, the, everything that was written, these letters that were written, they were written on scrolls. And so the, the proper way to address uh, somebody when you're writing to them in, with, a, with a scroll and in those letters and in this time was to identify yourself in the beginning. Because, you know, like today we'll write an email and then we'll sign it at the bottom, our letters. But the letters back then were, you identify yourself at the top so that you wouldn't have to unscroll the whole scroll to see who wrote it. At the top, it already tells you who wrote it so then you'll know if it's something you even want to read. Amen? See, the, it's crazy, right? So if you see, like, this is from Kanye, you're like, okay, never mind. Capital One, not important. So you, you tell somebody who you are in the beginning. And so you just, you know, so you understand why most of these letters that we read, the epistles, start with an identification at the beginning. That was the proper, the proper way to, to address those things. And so Paul starts by introducing himself. And Keep in mind Paul's history. He's, he's already been at this point, he's been a devout, you know, religious man. Before, before he was a Christian, he was persecuting Christians because he, I mean, he loved God. He was, he was a man that was devoted to God. And, and so before he knew any better, he thought Christians were against God. They were serving some kind of other Jewish sect. And so he would persecute them and, and to the point of, of death. And then he had an encounter with God. 
Because God loves people that are bold like that. God loves people that are reckless. God loves people that are so jacked up but are willing to do anything and be all in. And so God has a, Jesus meets Paul and gives him an encounter. He speaks to him, changes his life, man. And so, so uh, you got to understand when you read all the epistles of Paul, you got, and everything that Paul went through, Paul got locked up. Paul got beat up. Paul would get out and preach and get locked up and beat up again. He'd get beat up and locked up. He, he'd go out and visit another place get locked up and beat up he'll get beat up and locked up and locked up and beat up all the time some of us we would have stopped anybody i mean i don't know about you but like we can have uh, you know 300 people here and we got people give their lives to the lord and get saved but if one of you i hear one of you went and complained about the mess i'm hurt i'm like broken i'm like ah why why didn't you like the message Paul get locked up and beat up all the time, left for dead, stoned. Imagine if you guys threw rocks at me, that would be like really crazy. He got stoned, not stoned, but stoned with piedras all the time and, and left for dead. And But he was this man that knew. So, so what, the reason I'm saying all that is because I'm saying that encounter with God had to be so real. This, that's the point. I don't want to go off track. That encounter with God had to be so real that it didn't matter what happened on this side of heaven. And wow, what if we were like that? What if, what if our encounter with God was so real? And, and listen, there's stories in here that, that, that oh, wow, right? There's some testimonies in here. The, the way some of you came to God, the way some of us came to God. You know, not all of us were born in a nice Christian homes and we grew up Christian-y and eating Christian bubble gum and the whole nine. Some of us came from the dark and the down and the dirty. Amen? And so if even if you heard the stories that are in here and just the, the that's why it's so important to share our testimonies. But if we would hear these stories, if the, the power of God would be so real that it wouldn't matter what's going on outside in the world. It wouldn't matter what people say about you. It wouldn't matter. And listen, and then your kids will be, they, they couldn't deny it. Our kids would be different. Our families would be different. If it was that real to us, if we decide, my prayer is that we would decide to go all in. Like all in. Pig, bacon, all in. And so, so Paul at this time, he's, he's already, he's been preaching and sharing for 20 years. About 20 years. He's planted churches in Ephesus and, 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 and Corinth. And, and so he's preached, you know, he's, he's been about this life for 20 years already. And now he's writing this, this, uh, this message, this letter to, uh, to Rome, to a place where he hasn't started the church there. There's a church in Rome, but nobody knows who started it. And so he's writing to them because they don't have any leaders and, uh, you know, we'll get into that next week. But so, j just so you understand kind of where this is coming from. And so Romans starts, Romans 1.1, Paul starts the letter this way. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a bond servant, he uses the word slave. 
that word, that terminology in our culture is kind of offensive. Because of our history, because of what we've experienced, because of what we know, because of, you know, that's kind of stuff we don't want to talk about too much. Slavery. Paul says, I am a bondservant. It's an ugly word from our history, but there's no word better describes what Paul is communicating here. See, when you're a slave, it, it gives the connotation that you're someone's property. Oh, hear this. It's, it's, it's so ugly, it's beautiful. It's so ugly, it's beautiful. Watch. When you're a slave, it gives the connotation that you're someone else's property. It means that you belong fully to the owner. It means that you were probably at some point bought and paid for, and now you're owned by and subject to the one that owns you. Mm. Paul a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Paul starts with this. He, he, he's saying, you need to know who I am. I'm his. I'm all in. I was bought for a price. I'm his purchased possession. He rescued me and redeemed me. I am his. He can use me as he desires. He can do with me as he pleases. I am totally and completely his. All I am and all I have belongs to him. I no longer walk by sight, but I walk by total faith and trust in Him for all things, no matter how difficult they appear to get. I am ready to do what He wants. I am ready to go where He says to go. I am nothing of myself. My trust is totally in Him. I understand how ugly that word is because of our history and the context. But if you could put that aside for just one instance and see the power in that statement. I am God's servant. Wow. The word says we were bought with a price that we're not our own. He, he says that in Ephesians. He says that in, 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 Cala, in Corinthians. He, that's that's his, his thing. He says, I get this. Paul says, I get this. I am a servant of God. Notice he puts his who he is before his title. I'm a servant called to be an apostle. Just so you know, I am an apostle, which was, is a high title. But I'm a servant first. If today's pastors would write this letter, it would be like, I am... George, the Reverend Doctor, Mr. Whatever, all-encompassing apostle of, uh, the, you know, we'd give our title, like you see some church billboards and the, the title of the pastor is, is longer than the name of the church. Come on, man. We were talking with uh, one of our deacons and we were saying we should change, we should give up all our titles and just call ourselves servants. I'm, I'm the servant. And so I'm the pastor that would make me the biggest servant. I'd be the master servant. Amen? So you know the corporate ladder goes like this, you know, but, but in, the, in Christianity the ladder goes down. The lowest, I'm the lowest. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. When Jesus sat with his apostles, he put on an apron. And they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to wash your feet. He said, yo, you ain't washing our feet. You're, you're, you're God. He 
says, I came to serve. And then he told him, do likewise. I don't, I don't know where we get that high and lofty. The pastor is so woo. If Jesus wasn't woo, then the pastor can't be. Amen? Woo. Okay, good job, good job, good job. Now, now this is cool. The other side of that slave word, watch this. The other side of that slave word, which is just as powerful, is that in this context, it's saying that you are his slave, so it means you carry his weight. So that means you step with authority because you're a spokesperson for that so it's like saying, I work for the boss. Right? It's like in our culture, it's you saying, I work for the president. I'm, I'm employed by the president. That means I am a servant of the president. That means, though, I carry the presidential seal. That means that I come, I have influence with the president. That means that when you see me, respect, because I could be bringing a message from the mess. You, know, you understand that, that that word slavery also connotates that I come connected to him. That's, come on, that's the awesome stuff. It says, I could speak on his behalf. I can answer some questions about him because I'm closer to him than you are. <laughs> Paul starts his letter I am a slave called to be an apostle separated, set apart for the gospel worship team you guys can come Paul is saying I'm all in imagine if that was us we said I am George a bond servant of Christ a slave of God called to pastor Set apart for good works. Put your name here. When you're all in. I, a slave, a bondservant. I, I, I don't know why I'm expecting you to be so happy calling yourself a slave, but I really am though. <laughs> I'm expecting you to be happy. I want you to like receive that. I want you to put it on t-shirts. I am a slave. I know it's in our culture that doesn't make sense. I know it's a bad word. But it, it is what it is. I'm a bondservant of His. And so if we're going to be all in, that means I can only do what the Father tells me to do. See, a slave doesn't, a slave doesn't, I, I know it's an ugly picture, but a slave can't go to sleep when he wants to sleep. A slave is told when to sleep. When you're somebody's property, they tell you when you can eat and when you sleep. And they tell you where to go. And they tell you what to do and how to do it. And that's an ugly picture, but it's a beautiful picture. When you know who the master is. I guess I can't get that across anymore so we're just gonna stop that who I work for and who owns me is more important than my title amen if you guys are ready to just go all in I mean pig fat all in would you 
you know, I don't even want it to like come to the front because then I would expect 300 of you to come to the front. So can we just stand? Can we just stand? Say, God, I'm, I'm all in. Wait, wait, wait. Sit back down. Sit back down. Sit back down. Because some of you just stood because everybody else stood. Oh, some of you bold. You stay standing. I like that. <laughs> Respect. Respect. <laughs> Respect. So I'm not sitting back down. I'm all in. Let's close our eyes. Let's do it that way. So that way there's no peer pressure. Because to me, this is like serious, man. It's saying, you know, you're getting a, a brand. You're getting a stamp on you. You're getting a, I'm his. I'm all in. And that means, God, whatever you need me to do, I'm, I'm here to do it. And the beauty of that, it means that there, there should be no need in this building. There shouldn't be a ministry that needs help because we're all here. It's our ministry. If we need more workers for children's church, which I think we do, then somebody just got called into children's ministry right now. That kid just say, yeah, amen. So with eyes closed, man, I just, you know, I want this to be something real. I don't want to drag it on, but I want it to be something real. Say, I'm all in. I'm all in. God, whatever you need, God, whatever, whatever you want me to do, God, wherever you lead me, I'll follow. I'm standing up, man. I'm, I'm going after it. I'm all in. That means I'm all in in my home. I'm all in in the church. I'm all in as a husband. I'm all in as a, as a, as a dad. I'm all in as a, as a brother. I'm all in as the father to the fatherless. I'm here to, to mother some people. I'm here to father some people. God, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. I'm all in. Now let's worship with the all in fellowship. Come on. Hallelujah.